Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Welcome to Crossbridge. I'm Kevin, and I'm the lead pastor, and I'm so excited to share with you. I think about those that are at the Peru campus, those at the Morris campus, as well as those listening online. We are so thankful that you choose to worship with us, and I hope that you're enjoying uh, these stories, these stories out of the Old Testament. In fact, here's where I'm going to start. Um, I don't know about you, but it's, it's like that time of year when I'm thinking about vacations, and uh, most of us, some of us probably are thinking about a vacation that's coming. And, and here's what I'll tell you. Like, I love going on vacation. I love getting to vacation, but I do not love the journey to get there. In fact, um, I'm one of those people, like my wife would say, hey, let's just drive. And I'm like, ooh, like I don't want to drive. I would always rather fly. Because when I think about driving, number one, um, because of, like, you know, we'll just call it what it is, my control issues, I want to drive. I want to drive the whole time. The problem is I get really tired in that driver's seat. And so eventually I have to relinquish those duties and I climb over into the passenger seat. But then it's like this weird thing that happens. The moment I sit in the passenger seat, I couldn't sleep if I had to. And um, so anyway, um, in fact, my my wife, she kind of has this dream of someday that we're going to travel like out west and we're going to do this like, you know, three, four thousand mile trip in an RV. And it's my worst nightmare. Because I picture myself just driving an RV like all through the day and all through the night, never wanting to get out of the chair. Um, Boy, that sounds like vacation. Um, So anyway, I also, I remember a trip that um, some of our kids went on. We, uh, some of our kids, when I say our kids, our Crossbridge kids, they were going on a trip to Bloomington. I'm not going to name any names, but I know one of you know this story um, from our Peru campus, that th- they were traveling in caravans. Like um, there was multiple cars carrying kids, and um, one of those cars in the front had a, a kid in that car who had to, like, got sick to their stomach, got car sick, and, and threw up in a, in a little bag. And, and I don't know what the reason was. I mean, I'm guessing because they didn't want that bag in the car. I mean, I get it. Um, I'm, I'm the kind of person that if one throws up, uh, whew, I, I'm this close to throwing up myself. And they tied that bag shut. And somebody, I don't know who it was in the car, but somebody got the idea that they needed to get rid of that bag from the car. So what they did was they tossed it out the window. And the moment they tossed it out the window going, you know, 70 miles an hour down the interstate, the second car in the caravan, which was behind, that that bag, it caught flight. And it flew through the air and it landed on the windshield (laughs) of the second car and it it exploded in this mess on the second car. I'm I'm sorry for, you know who I'm talking about. Um, You're watching this, I guarantee it. And I listened to that story, ugh, you know, terrible. And, and here's, what I, here's what I know, right? And for some of you, in fact, I've heard you talk about you're going on trips with kids. Pastor John last week was talking about going on trips with kids. And it's great when we get there. Like the destination is wonderful. But oftentimes the journey from point A to point B, the struggle is real. It's tough. What we find in this story is Israel, they're on a spectacular road trip. Their end destination is Canaan, the promised land. And um, God promised this 650 years early, earlier. Moses is the driver. The people of Israel are in the back seat. They're driving across the Sinai Desert, um, headed towards the land of milk and honey. 
And instead of four kids in the back seat, there's like, you know, one to three million kids in the back seat. And the kids of Israel, like these people, they're getting restless. They're tired of the trip already. Things aren't going well. It's hot. They're thirsty. They're hungry. And man, they start fighting and they start complaining. And they're at a place where they're considering to go into the land that God has promised them. And here, here's, I want to pick it up right here. Numbers 13 says this. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So you kind of get the picture that there's a delegation of 12, which represent like their family and their tribe. And they're all sent in to do their homework to figure out like what's actually in this land and what are we going to encounter? As they go in, they come back 40 days later and they give Moses the report. And here's really what they say. The land is incredible. And they're blown away by it. But also what they notice is there are, man, there's an army of folks waiting on them there. And, and what they said is, number one, they were numerous. And number two, they were huge. And, and there was this sense of there is no way we can move into this land. And if we do so, we're going to get pummeled. Now, roll back just a little bit. See, one of the things they have not taken into account is that, number one, God has said, I'm going to give you this land. And, uh, and the issue becomes, are they going to trust that God who is mighty and powerful and have been mighty and powerful and already delivered them from slavery out of Egypt can deliver them even though the, the opposition is numerous and huge? Um, and here's what they do. They, they get together. They all start talking about this and they make the decision, can't do it. Like we cannot do it. We are here at the edge but we cannot do it. And, and I'll tell you what you have here. God gets frustrated with them. Um, I, I think he's probably disappointed because he's probably saying, man, can't you remember what I just did for you? And yet you're struggling to move forward here. But, but here's what he does. He gives them the desires of their heart. He sends them on a detour. And uh, he sends them, in fact, on a 40-year detour deep in the wilderness. And, and here's what I think, big picture. Not only did they lack um, this, this ability to trust in God? Um, and, and did they lack in the ability to kind of view that God's power could help them overcome? They missed out on a beautiful land. They missed out on their kids being able to enter it. And, and truthfully, it was a mess. For 40 years, it was a mess. And, and I don't even know that they realized the decision they made and how it affected like their entire families and, uh, this, this detour was, was a bad thing. Story then, fast forward, 40 years later, coming out of the wilderness, and they find themselves at the exact same place again, a place called Kadesh. And they're evaluating, do we go back in? And um, Moses gathers them together, and he basically says, hey, there's a new opportunity, and God is giving us the opportunity to trust him, unlike your parents. And God is going to lead them, and he's saying, God is going to lead us, and he can be trusted. Here, that's big picture story, okay? Um, and here's how I want you to think about it. I think our life is a lot like a road trip. I think God wants to lead us. He, he wants us to be able to see what he's doing in his upper story. And in, in spite of what we may read the lower story to be, in spite of how hard the struggle might be, in, sti- in spite of how big the obstacle might be, that we would trust that God is capable of leading us with his powerful hand into a preferable future for each of us. I think the other thing that God wants us to recognize is even when we find ourselves in a struggle and even when we find ourselves in difficult places is that we're not alone. 
And that God, even sometimes when it seems like he's far away, he, he isn't, that he's right there. So here, here's what I was thinking about this week. That's the story, okay, but we're not done. Here's what I was thinking about. You got these people who they were, they were basically on the edge of entering this promised land that was you know, promised to them 650 years earlier. And, and I, I had to think about this moment, this moment of struggle of do we press on to what seems like insurmountable circumstances, even though God has promised he's going to go with us and we can trust him and we've seen his power before. And, and there was this moment where they had to make a decision. And, and I thought to myself, how many times have I been in that place where I've made that decision? How many times, Peru campus, Morris campus, online campus, folks, have you been in that position where you sense God is leading you and you want to trust him, but you find it so hard to put one foot in front of the other? I was thinking about that this week and I was um, sitting writing the sermon and I was thinking, what are the things that cause us to stand still or to turn around when God seems to be calling us forward? What is it that causes us to struggle with trust? Or what is it that, that, that holds us back? What are those enemies that, that cause us from experiencing what God has for us? And, and there's four of them that I want to talk to you about. The first one is this, the enemy of forgetfulness. Let me say that again. The enemy of forgetfulness. Listen to Numbers chapter 14. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to be back in Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader, and we should go back to Egypt. Isn't it funny how quickly they forget they were burning in the sun as slaves working in Egypt with no hope of getting out. And little, I mean, how quickly they forget that God brought these 10 plagues that were like mighty and powerful and acts of God that freed them. And, and just a little while later, they're, they're at this challenging place and all of that goes out the window. When the heat picks up and we find ourselves in what is less than desirable kind of promised land, questions creep in and our memory gets short. Man, I've been there. In fact, we forget so quickly how faithful God has been in the past. And we head down the trail that we must be alone, that even though God did it back here, he can't do it here. We go down the trail of, uh, it seems like God has abandoned us. And why do we do that so quickly? And, and one of the things I was thinking about is this, and, and I do think, I think this is the way it works, that if we're not careful, faith leaks. That faith leaks, and faith is hard. It's hard to maintain it. It's hard to keep it. I, I was talking to my kids the other day. They, they both got jobs this summer. Uh, my son's mowing yards. My daughter's doing a lot of babysitting. And so they're starting to make some money. And uh, they're funny, like to watch them around money. And uh, my daughter has a certain view of money, and my son has a certain view of money, and I'm working with both of those views. And it was interesting, my son the other day, because I said to my son, I said, hey, hey, buddy, have, have you put any, like, have you tithed? Have you given any? Have you given any to the church? And he looked at me, and I said, well, buddy, you recognize, like, what you have, like, he's given you. He's given you these opportunities. And, um, and so you, you probably should honor him. And I went on to say, I said, buddy, like, I don't know if you realize this, but if you honor him, you will always have more 
than if you don't. And he said, Dad, it doesn't work that way. And I said, well, well buddy, no, it, it actually does work that way. I said, it doesn't work that way where, like, I want you to be a giver because of what you're going to receive. But I do want you to be a giver just because you believe God has given to you. And I believe that if you do that out of the right heart, that God will always provide for you. And, and I began to tell him this story. And, and instantly, I felt like God brought up memories for me. In fact, I was thinking about this last year. And, and, and I was sharing a little bit with him. Uh, we had more expenses in the last year than we've ever had. And yet at the end of the year, we looked and we'd given away more than we ever had. And, and it was amazing because you would think that the math would not work on that. But I'm telling you, in God's economy, it worked. And um, God has been so faithful. And as I was telling him stories, God was bringing up stories about how in the past he has been so faithful over and over and over. And here's the deal. So quickly, so quickly I forget. Forgetfulness is an issue. And, and I think there's times where God does miraculous things and then we're a week or two later and uh, the memory is gone. And all we can see is what is in front of us and we struggle, we struggle to trust him with what is ahead. That leads me into the second idea. I, I think um, there are times when we get overwhelmed that we're heavy in the struggle and negativity can creep in. In fact, um, I, I was thinking about a, a character out of Winnie the Pooh this week. Um, a character by the name of Eeyore. And uh, we've got a video that I want you to take a look at. Good morning, Pooh Bear. If it is a good morning, which I doubt. Did I get your tail back on properly, Eeyore? No matter. Most likely lose it again anyway. It's not much of a tail, but I'm sort of attached to it. Not much of a house, just right for not much of a donkey. Might take a day or two, but I'll find a new one. Hand of the road, nothing to do. And no hope of things getting better. As I think about Eeyore, um... How many of you know an Eeyore, right? Careful, like if they're sitting next to you, don't raise your hand high. But, or how many of you, don't raise your hand either, but maybe you're thinking I might be an Eeyore, right? Um, Eeyore is this. He was this character in Winnie the Pooh that was pessimistic, gloomy, an old gray stuffed donkey um, who just, man, the sun was never, ever shining upon him. I, I was thinking about this um, what does it look like for us? In fact, it brought some application to me of, um, think back, in fact, some things it brought to mind is this. Who am I surrounding myself with? Are they pointing me in the right direction? Are they encouraging me? Or are they people that are always bringing negativity? You know, and then ask yourself this. When you walk into circles of people, are you the Eeyore? Are you the one bringing the negativity? Or are you the one bringing hope and faith and positivity you know, I was thinking about this. The kids of Israel, they're restless. And they start fighting and they're complaining. In fact, they're, the, the number of complaints throughout this story is numerous. There's, there's just general hardships they're dealing with. They're, they're basically crying out like, hey, we don't have enough food to eat. And, and then finally, they, there's this piece where um, Moses' brother and sister, they, they get into it. 
And, and really, they, I started asking these questions of like, why does Moses get to be the leader all the time? And why is it that God only speaks to him? It's interesting that God pulls Aaron and Miriam, uh, Moses' brother and sister, he pulls them aside, whew, and he lets them have it. In fact, he, he punishes Miriam. And, um, and I do believe, here, here's, here's what I do believe. I believe that having faith and having a relationship with God can make us hopeful people that it can make us hopeful people, people who will look to the future believing that God has a plan and it is God's best for us despite the circumstances we find or the struggle that may be real that is happening at the moment. You know, um, I was even thinking about small groups, right? And, and you know, at our, at our church here, Crossbridge, we think community is really, really important because the truth is, there's many times where I, I feel myself becoming Eeyore and I need people to lift me up. There's other times I'm around friends and I sense they're becoming Eeyore and I need to lift them up. You know, I think there's a lot of times where faith and hope is shared as we do life together. There's times where I may have a friend who's struggling at that point. He needs me to come along and be the encourager. And then there's times when I struggle and I need someone to come along and be the encourager. And here's what I tell you. You never know when those times are coming. It's part of why we say we want you to do life together and we want you to have relationships at Crossbridge so that when you do hit the struggle, you got people in your life who are surrounding you. Bite that, fight that bite, <laughs> fight the enemy of negativity. Now, here's, here's the other enemy that I think is a big one, the enemy of fear. When Moses sent the 12 to check things out and they returned with their report, you could hear the fear. Listen to Numbers chapter 13. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And their cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Now, continuing on just a little bit later. But the, man, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come uh, from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. I I love that line of we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. I do think there's times when we are living in our lower stories, and we feel outnumbered, outpowered. We feel helpless. We feel like we do not have a chance to come out on top. And here's what happens. This, this fear, this fear builds and spreads quickly. In fact, fear is so contagious. Fear always holds us back from accomplishing what God has for us. In fact, I, I noticed something in the story that I thought was really, really interesting. You have this group of people and they begin to tell this story and you can almost see it. You can almost see it as you read it, that fear begins to spread through the camp. That, you know, one person's going to the next. I have a feeling that even the grasshoppers or the size of the people probably continued to grow as people shared this. And they were sharing fear over and over and over. But here's what I loved. It was really like, it was one verse in the midst of this story that caught my attention because it was a man named Caleb. And here's what it says. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. 
I'm like, Caleb is the man, right? I, I love that. And, and here's what I thought. We need more Caleb's. Like when it comes to the kingdom of God, we need Caleb's. We don't need people who look at opposition or we don't need people who look at their future and go, oh, never going to happen. Or, oh, like God has this plan, but yeah, probably not for me, right? Sounds like Eeyore, doesn't it? And, and here's what I would say. That what if we were people who were hopeful and people who believed in God's power and could look back and remember what he's done and carry that into the future? What if we were people who would say, God, I believe in your power and I need you to help me to trust so I can overcome fear? We had a staff person on staff once. Um, many of you probably remember him. His name was Greg Swords. My, one of my favorite stories about Greg was I, I remember when I interviewed him, I was sitting at, at Cracker Barrel in Ottawa, Illinois. And, um, and one of the things he said to me is in, <laughs> in Greg's kind of only way, he said, Kevin, I just want you to know if you're storming hell with a squirt gun, I'll be right there with you. And, um, and he was joking, right? He was joking, but here's what he was saying. But he said it in this passionate kind of way, which said to me, man, I am so excited about this mission and I want to do it with you. I am so excited about the kingdom of God and I am ready to storm the gates of hell to see it happen. And and I'll tell you, like, there's something about that. When we surround ourselves with Caleb's who are ready to push through fear and trust God to do big things, big things happen. That becomes contagious as well. I do believe this. Crossbridge is full of Caleb's. I think it's part of why God has done what he's done is because fear typically does not hold us back. If fear held us back, we would not be at a Peru campus. We would not be at a Morris campus or we would not have an online campus. But we continue to trust and move forward. And I hope and pray that even on those personal things in your life that you will continue to trust and push through fear as well. And then here's the final thing, the final enemy I wanna talk about. The enemy of limited perspective. I think about the people who are being told of God's bigger perspective. They're being told of this story. In fact, they were told of it 650 years ago that you're going to enter this land of milk and honey. And yet, here's what we find them, right? We find them that they're, they're on this journey and they're hot and they're hungry and they're thirsty. And I don't know about you, but when I think about being hot, hungry, and thirsty, the plan goes out the window. And, and, and all I can think about is the thing that's happening right now. Man, that is so like, ugh. Isn't that for all of us? That when we struggle, when we're in the moment and it's painful and things aren't going well and we can't see forward, like we cannot see the future. All we can see is what right, like is what is right in front of us. Sometimes I think we need God's help to look beyond the now, to trust him for a greater future ahead. You know, I was looking at... Um, even Moses, I felt for him as I read this story this week. I felt for him because here he's this leader and he's trying to trust God. And yet he's got all these folks in the back seat who are just, I mean, complaining and belly aching and, and, and saying, there's no way this is going to happen. I felt for Moses because I'm sure Moses on one side of this is saying, oh God, I just want him to like to follow me and I want to do the right thing. And at the same time, he's got all these people in his ear saying, let's turn around and go the other direction. Listen to Numbers chapter 11. This is Moses' own words. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I found favor in your eyes, and do not let me face my own ruin. 
God responds to that. And he says, uh, basically, he says, get the people ready um, because you're going to eat meat. Like meat is coming and it's coming for a whole month. And I love Moses' response because I picture him, right? I mean, he's probably saying, okay, God, are you sure? Because I don't want to turn around and tell these people that meat's coming, right? If it's really not coming. So here's what he says, just a couple of verses later. But Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot, talking to God. And he says, and he says, and you say, I'll give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? You hear it's like, it's almost like sarcasm, right? The Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. He's basically saying, you know, think about Moses. Lord, I'm not about to tell them meat's coming unless meat's coming. And, um, and I think here was a spot where Moses had to have like beyond the, this, this lower level perspective. He had to believe that God in his upper level kind of story, this bigger story that God was telling was going to break in and was going to do something really cool. Whether that took all the fish of the sea or all the herds like laid down in front of him, that somehow or another God was going to get this done. You know, here, here's, here's what I was thinking about. Um, what does it look like to trust, to trust that God can break in? that he can break in in the midst of what seems like an impossible struggle. What does it look like? Because, and in, in here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. I think it always looks like that he's going to call you to trust him and that he's going to call you to trust in his power to move in the midst of your weakness. That he's almost always going to ask you to, to put your hope on him even when you feel hopeless. The struggle is real. It's real in this story, and I think it's real today. I was thinking about it in my own life. I often forget how good God has been to me. I, I, I get frustrated with myself because I think, how, how did I forget that story? How did I forget all the ways in which God has worked in my life over and over and over? I think about how quickly I can turn negative. I think about how many times fear has held me back, and I think about how many times that I've struggled because all I have is lower level perspective and I struggle to see God's upper story and what he's trying to do. But here's the best news. Um, As I was wrapping up this sermon and I was thinking about where I wanted to conclude with you, this is what came to me. The good news is this, that God is a God of grace. And even after 40 years of, in a sense, like sending his people on this detour in the wilderness and, and really kind of punishing them for lack of trust and disobedience, God leads them right back to Kadesh again. My hope for you is this. You may say, man, so many times I haven't got it right. So many times I've missed opportunities to trust. So many times I've, I've just not believed that God has the power to do it. And here's what I'll tell you. Aren't we thankful that God is a God of grace and he continues to bring us back to those opportunities again and again? That he would bring us back to the opportunity to say, hey, here we are again. Here's the opportunity again to trust, to trust me in the midst of your story that I'm up to something in my story. As we come around the communion tables today, as we uh, take communion together, my hope is that you'll approach the bread 
and the juice in a way which says, God, I believe in you. And not just in my head, but I believe in you in my heart in a way in which I'm going to today trust you. Father, I give you thanks. Help us to trust you. Help us to continue to move forward, believing your story. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge Podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.